You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. We have the good fortune of speaking with our guests who are blazing the trail as to how advice and guidance is being enhanced and improved over time. We often talk about investment and annuity products and the technologies that make for a better operational flow and are leveraged to improve financial outcomes and the user experience for investors, participants, advisors, and firms. Today, we will speak with someone who is a leader in one of the most innovative firms today in our industry, at least in my opinion. As I wrote in my monthly column in Financial Advisor magazine at the end of last year in an article entitled, Who Will Become the Amazon of Financial Advice? I identified Morgan Stanley, Edward Jones, Empower, and Franklin Templeton as the current leaders entering that mantle. Some push back on my selections, but if you read the article, you'll find each of these firms is connecting the dots between wealth management and workplace retirement, digital and human advice, and making for a better experience and financial outcomes across the board. Today, we will speak with Koob Ahmed. Koob has the U.S. investment-only business at Franklin Templeton, which includes their retirement, insurance, sub-advisory, and 529 businesses. Koob, welcome back to Wealth Tech on Deck. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. Appreciate it. So, Koob, I'm a student and a big fan of what your CEO, Jenny Johnson, has been doing at Franklin Templeton between acquisitions, investments in technology, and the development of advanced systems for making working with Franklin Templeton so compelling. There's been an incredible amount of positive change at Franklin Templeton, and some who have not kept up might find it surprising that I would identify your firm as one of the most innovative in our industry. Let's set the table for our audience with you describing what's been going on at Franklin Templeton, what would lead many observers to agree with my assessment. Yeah, well, I need to find out who's pushing back on that list. <laughs> I would tend to agree with you. <laughs> There's a lot going on. I mean, listen, I, I'm a huge fan of Jenny's as well. I think about everything going on in the industry right now, and she's leading us through some incredible change and disruption that we're all well aware of in this industry. It's interesting. We're coming up on, we just celebrated our 75th anniversary of Franklin Templeton, and it's changed more in just the three and a half years that Jenny took the CEO home than it did in the prior, you know, 20 years. I've been at the firm 13 years. It just experienced a lot of change. You know, the way I look at it and the way I think Jenny views it and our executive committee is the industry is obviously changing very, very fast. It's evolving quickly. Franklin, I think, is staying way ahead of that and identifying blind spots, but also identifying areas of opportunity. Just from a sizing and scales perspective, we've actually doubled in size in just the last few years. And that's been primarily through acquisitions, right? So we've made eight, eight acquisitions over the last three years. And it's not just the size, it's the type of firms and capabilities and solutions that we're acquiring and people that are really enhancing our value proposition to our clients. So, and we really look through the lens of how do we improve client outcomes? And that client can be an institutional investor. It can be a retail investor. It can be any type of investor, but that's really our guidepost and our compass. And the areas that we've been focused on, you know, one is alternatives. That's not been a secret in the marketplace. So we've expanded our alternatives platform significantly just over the last five years. So when you know, five years ago, we maybe had 13 billion or so in alternative assets. Today, we have 260 billion. So we're the seventh largest wow. alternative investments manager. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, really. And the capabilities that we offer are, are quite impressive. Two, we're focused on personalization and customization. 
everybody talks a lot about the Netflixing and the personalization of advice. We're very focused on that. We've talked in the past about Go, our goals optimization engine. So we have a proprietary algorithm. We do recognize that you have to you have to power those through scalable technology as well. So we're busy doing that. We've also acquired capabilities like direct indexing through Ashaughnessy Asset Management. So we're very focused on customization and personalization. Three, you know, you, you talk a lot about fintech on your show. And I, I think because we have this unique, I'll call it an advantage because we're based in Silicon Valley, right? So, you know, we're in the heart of technology and, you know, fintech, certainly. We have an incubator on our campus in San Mateo that you may be aware of. So we have small firms and startups that take residence. And we I think we have eight firms that are taking residency right now. And we couple that with a very robust digital wealth team. I, you've had Harshindu on with, with your show with me sure. in the past. You've had a gentleman, you've had Rod on from our fiduciary trust organization on the digital side. So we've got this robust digital wealth team that we partner also, with. Also, uh, Rich Cancro. We've also had Rich Cancro. And Rich Cancro, yeah, with Advisor Engine. So, you know, we partner with the digital wealth team, not only on due diligence on, hey, is there a property that we can acquire? And this is all, again, very client-centric. Or is there a commercial opportunity or some combination of the two? So we partner very closely with that team. And we recognize opportunities like, you know, there's the intersection with the product and client solutions, right? So I look at uh, case uh, software as an example. It's an alternative software and platform that has digitized the entire experience. Now, that's more used by our fiduciary trust high net worth organization, but we want to also use that type of technology for our wealth management clients, too. And then four, I think, you know, some of the things that Jenny has been focused on, as I mentioned, you need to have her on the show. She could speak very eloquently and in depth on some of these things. But, you know, Franklin's been very much a firm that I think has been more inward looking in some ways. I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way, but we've been fairly insular on certain things. And we've gotten to this point, a lot of other organizations in our industry are doing the same thing is like the in-source versus the outsource discussion. So we've been outsourcing more where it's not a core competency. So areas like operation, certain technology elements, shareholder servicing. So we outsource our entire transfer agency. We entire our back and middle office for our CIT platform. We've also made some acquisitions on the wealth management side where we've recognized that through their outsourcing arrangements in the high net worth space, we can benefit from doing some of those things across the broader fiduciary trust platform. So we're very focused on that. Maybe the last thing I'll just mention quickly is, and I'll call it a people acquisition. Um, We hired a gentleman by the name of Matthew Nichols, who's our CFO. He was hired in 2019. He's been incredibly impactful to our organization. You know, he came to the firm with a very rich background in investment banking. He led the financial institutions investment banking group at a large bank. He brought that expertise and skill set. And that was very a very purposeful hire, right, to bring him on board as we went through this M&A period. So he's led those transactions from an FT perspective, and he knows the broader financial services market and been very deliberate about the type of organization solutions and capabilities that we want to bring into the firm. That's great. You made me write that uh, world tour of all that's going on there. And I know there's a lot more beyond and underneath all that for another day, but 
what you just described is just the tip of the iceberg in my my observation in terms of what you're doing. You're doing it on all fronts. So uh, congratulations to Jenny on down. So let's talk about your business. You uh, lead the retirement business, no small business, insurance and annuity, sub-advisory, 529. So how does that play into the larger strategy? I know you're using some of the same tools that you just described and some of the same capabilities in terms of your offerings. So talk if you would about your business and how that's going and what you're excited about. Listen, yeah, it's, it, it is a big part of the overall business. So it's, you know, it's very much a big part of the strategy, right? Because we have a large share of the total assets within the U.S. region, which I'm responsible for. You know, when I think about our business and I think, you know, down to the investor level, what we're trying to solve for, we're solving for some of the biggest financial planning needs for, for U.S. workers or households and individuals across wealth management, across retirement. And those things, those goals are saving for retirement, saving for education, and protecting those savings as well. So those are really the three dimensions that we think about with our business, all within the spirit of really gaining financial independence for individuals and their households. And we think these three areas are important pillars to achieving that. You know, the areas that we're focused on, they very much overlap with some of the things I talked about. You know, one, we're a huge fan and advocate of personalization. I always, from a retirement perspective, I always use this as a data point, Jack. I I look at target date funds. And by the way, I'm not knocking target date funds. I think they've done incredible good for the industry. They've gotten people in invested. They've got better participation and savings rates and retirement plans. That's unprecedented. And we're using things like auto enrollment to increase participation. It's been great. And target dates, of course, are the biggest benefactor of that. But when I look at particularly older participants, and I'll put myself in the older category because I'm, I'm now 50. Yikes, that's pretty young to me. Go ahead. <laughs> I think the, I'm living in Florida, by the way, I think has slowed down my aging process a bit. So, <laughs> right. You feel younger every day. Yeah. Right? I don't know if it's the moisture in the air, but <laughs> when I look at the average 50-year-old, and again, I'll put myself in this category, and if they're, if they're a target day investor, Look at the top 10 target date managers. And this isn't throwing stones at anybody, by the way. We have target dates as well. The equity dispersion ranges from anywhere from 49 to 86%. And that's really at that age threshold when it becomes important to have more of a personalized, holistic solution that's informed by data, in my opinion. And so there's just Mm -hmm. a ton of equity dispersion when you look at older participants. And again, those need to be more informed. They're, They're more complex decisions. You're talking about households. You're talking about a spouse. You're talking about other assets. And so a blunt force instrument, and by the way, if they have access to advice and the advice is telling them you need to be in this fund, if you need to be in the 2050 fund, so be it with your retirement assets, but at least it's informed by advice. Two is is just that we need better access to advice. I think there is, and you know, my colleague Jackie Reardon, who is responsible for marketing, she often says you need a better way to say this. But I don't know if there is a better way. There is a mass underserved market of what I would call two camps of the hunted versus the ignored. You know, the hunted are that you know top. (laughs) It's the top five percent of you know, wealth in the U.S. that wealth managers are attracted to and for good reason. That's where the money is. 
but there's a major advice gap with this mass under, underserved marketplace. And, you know, we need to find a way to get advice to them. And I think find yes. a way to also make sure that advice is informed with data that we're looking at the household. We're not looking at just a single point in time and, yep. you know, get past this reframe of a product centric. We've lived in a really product centric world and I want to yep. get to a yep. point where, you know, products are important, but let's make sure the products are applicable for that point in time and that particular need and is holistic in nature. I think that's one of the things we have to get past. It's somewhat unusual for an asset manager, one of the largest asset managers in the world in Franklin Templeton, to be in the advice business. That's, isn't that yeah. what wealth managers do? So if you would, uh, and I know well, we've, we've talked a lot about this. We're working with you guys. Talk about that in, in terms of what you're doing with firms like Advisor Engine, which is part of now part of Franklin Templeton, and with Go and what that is, maybe describe that a bit. And then what you're also doing with firms like uh, Vestwell in terms of being in the advice business, yet not having that operating as a, a large wealth manager, but yet impacting that. So describe how that all comes together. It's a pretty fascinating story. Yeah. Again, I think there's a major advice gap. I think the advice algorithm that we have, Goals Optimization Engine, is a goals-based advice. So it's responsive. It's based on data. It's based on very specific goals that carry different levels of risk as a, for that reason. And so, you know, as, a, as an asset manager, there's still a responsibility to provide informed solutions. And so, you know, we still rely on our clients. We rely on wealth managers, rely on fiduciaries and advice providers to provide that ultimate advice. But in order to scale it out, for different segments of the market and in order for our clients to leverage it. And that's really what it's all about. This isn't about Franklin Templeton going out aggressively in the direct to consumer market and disintermediating our client. This is about equipping our clients with the tools and resources like Advisor Engine that has the advice algo fully integrated into it, a full service robo for our you know, RAAs to use in their marketplace, maybe not for all their clients, but for a segment of their clients. And that's how you help solve for some of these advice gaps. Mm -hmm. I look at the mm -hmm. workplace, you know, from a retirement perspective, we think the workplace is the new financial epicenter for most U.S. workers, right? And that's where you can clearly look through a lens. And you talked a little bit to Jackie about this. When you look through that lens and you apply that hunted versus ignored analogy, 90% mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of U.S. workers don't have access to advice. So how can they deliver mm -hmm. that? You can deliver that through the workplace, through scalable robo-technology, whether it's through a managed account inside of the 401k plan or through integrated ecosystems that are made available to the workers within those employers. And again, we don't want to be the one selling those directly to those employers. We would rely on our intermediary distribution to get that out to market and yep. use them as a yep. leverage point and equip them to, to be able to harness that and bring it to their clients. You know, Jenny's used this analogy before, by the way, which is, you know, when TurboTax came out, it was like the death of the account. You've seen headlines, the death of the broker. This isn't about that. You know, TurboTax ended up really enabling accountants to work with more people and have more holistic, deeper kind of financial partnerships with their clients. And that's what sure, this is sure. really about. And that's what you've seen with wealth managers too, right? Wealth managers that become financial planners. And we're simply trying to democratize financial advice and financial planning on behalf of our clients. 
It's fascinating to watch. If uh, you were to tell me five, 10 years ago that Franklin Templeton would have something like an advisor engine, would have relationships with a variety of different advice providers in the workplace marketplace. It's like, what are you talking about? Don't they do income funds? I mean, it was a whole different way of looking at it. Yeah. And now you have incubators, incubation labs on your campus. You're kind of looking at all the different ways to render advice. And always, by the way, with a human attached to it, it seems. You're not looking to do away with the advisor. You're looking to enhance their capabilities. Isn't that the case? That's exactly it. You said it perfectly, Jack. That's great. So it's fun to watch. I've been a big fan of what you guys are doing. Talk a little bit, if you would, about Goals Optimization Engine and how that plays, just that interplay between what an advisor engine, which is basically a full-service robot. I hate the term robot. Yeah, but they kind I don't of, love it either. They do so much, and it's full-service, but I haven't come up with a better, but it's always with an advisor. We'll have to come up with a, some other fancy name, which I can't recall at the moment. But anyway, the point is that you're taking what Rich Cancro and his team have built, lots of capabilities, and just enabled advisors to be more available for advice. And then that's kind of the, the the wealth side, wealth management side. And then on the flip side, you do a lot of work with advisors. Best will happens to be an example, but I'm sure there are many others that are working on the workplace. And that's another sort of uh, trend that we're seeing across the industry of that c- uh, confluence of wealth and workplace where those are coming together. And, and what you're doing with the goals optimization engine is to enable both sides to be really serve the client as one. In other words, provide advice across qualified, non-qualified accounts, different types of products, annuities, all the rest of it. So really a more holistic kind of approach. Maybe talk a little bit about how that all works. Yeah. And, you know, so we're taking the advice algorithm, which by the way, it's backed by Harry Markowitz Award, which we won in 2018. So it's got this award-winning research. And we took this academic research and created, took this and created an advice algorithm based on that. So it's probability driven. It's based on the probability of that goal and that drives the actual asset allocation. So it's based on probability driven algorithm. It's personalized based on actual data and that point in time and other assets, and it's responsive to the market. So, you know, if the market changes, it's going to respond to that. If the goal changes, right? There's going to be different levels of risk for a goal. So if you need to buy a car versus, you know, a young person saving for retirement, it has a different investment time horizon. You're probably going to be more invested in equities and it recognizes the different risk tolerances based on those bucketed goals, but it all does it in a scalable way. And that's why we're looking for technology partners in order to integrate and then bring it to market in a kind of digital scalable tech enabled way. Vestival is a perfect example of how we're doing that in the workplace. And that was a unique deployment, I would say. Um, you know, Vestival has their niche in the market. They've done incredibly well in that niche of the market. We think the possibilities are endless with them. Normally, the way we'd bring our advice to employers in the workplace would be through a managed account technology, right? Leveraging that middleware and bringing that to market. With Vestwell, you know, they're a tech firm, right? And they said to us, why don't we just integrate it directly into the tech stack? And me not being a technologist was like, what? Like, don't you need, like, no, we'll just, we'll just integrate it in and remove that layer of friction cost and create additional efficiencies. And that's exactly what it's done. So it's now the default, if you will, managed account, if you will, solution with InvestWell. So if you're looking for managed advice, you're using the goals optimization engine 
advice algo with Bestwell. And the other thing that they've done, which I think is important longer term for, you know, I do think things need to be more personalized in the retirement space, full stop. They're actually using it as a default as opposed to a target date, right? That's what they lead with. So if you're looking for your qualified default investment alternative, you're actually, if you're using the Bestwell solution, you're actually using the goals optimization engine. So you're personalized on day one and mapped into a personalized portfolio that really feeds off the core menu of the 401k lineup. So that's how we're bringing it to market. But we're also thinking above and beyond that. You know, it's the 401k is one major spoke in the wheel, but we're also, again, thinking about the workplace as a new financial epicenter. How can we create more of an integrated ecosystem that thinks about everything, not just the 401k, but you know, based on the based on your needs, can it provide inform advice around an emergency savings account, your need for a 529 account, identify those things, give advice and guidance on actual solutions and bring those to individuals and households, again, to people that don't have that necessarily have access to advice. It's exciting times. Uh, I agree with you on the, the, the workplace retirement business is really, really is how people will get started in availing themselves of financial services. And those in time, I'm sure is on your roadmap. I'm confident it is that you'll be able to connect to the taxable side. And, and then there's an arbitrage between the tax qualified and the taxable and you have better outcomes because if you address taxes, then you're better off. So all that I gather is in your future, but that may not be ready for prime time just yet, but uh, be on the lookout. Those of you who are wondering uh, if, if Franklin is innovative, uh, they are for sure. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're focused on strategic partnerships and collaboration and, yeah, Franklin, we know who we are as well. As much as we're innovating and the new capabilities we're bringing to market, we can't be all things to all people. So it requires a high level of collaboration with the right partners to bring some of these solutions to bear. And we are proud to say we are one. So Absolutely. Good. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. As we look to wrap up, what are three key takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? So the three things that we think about a lot, and Jenny talks about, about this a lot too, is number one, adaptability and agility. It's critical in order to have success. There is so much going on. It's an incredibly fluid market. I think about whether you're navigating the regulatory environment, the economic environment, or just the competitive landscape, you need to be able to be responsive and agile. Two, and I just mentioned this, is strategic partnerships and alliances. You know, when I look at how we create leverage growth within our business model, it's by identifying strategic partnerships that will help us lever those and take them to next level and find new markets for distribution and find partners that will help us identify new client bases and new revenue streams, things like integrated ecosystems. And then three is, I always remember why we do this, right? And, you know, not to keep bringing up Jenny, but, you know, Jenny, she has, none of her kids are in the business, right? And one of her kids said, you know, mom, I want to be more kind of purpose-based work, you know, do something that actually helps people. And she was like, we do help people, you know, and, <laughs> and, I, and I think that every day, like I remember why we do what we do in its most fundamental sense is we do help people, you know, the retirement side, retire with dignity. We help protect those assets. We help them with their college savings. These are some of the most basic financial planning needs of every U.S. worker, every household and individual in this country. So those are the three things that I, I try to keep top of mind. That's great. 
Final question, as we do with each of our podcasts, my favorite question we ask our guests at this point is, what do you do outside of work that you are excited or passionate about people might find interesting or surprising? Yeah, you know, so a lot of people don't know this about me because you'll hear my name. You call me Coob, and this is actually where I got my nickname from was I grew up in this. My parents are immigrants from India, but I grew up in a very small community, a farm town in southwestern Minnesota near Iowa and South Dakota. So people are always surprised to hear I grew up near a farm (laughs) in a farming town. My two best friends from back then are still my two best friends today. One's, in fact, my brother-in-law. But my time in Minnesota, and I, of course, moved to Boston, went to school there, spent 20 years there and now in Florida. But to this day, I have still not missed a Minnesota Vikings game for the last 35 plus years. I've actually stopped counting because it's it's almost embarrassing how long my streak has lasted and all without a Super Bowl, by the way. So, in fact, <laughs> I started following them. They've been in four Super Bowls. But they're all in the early set, early to mid-70s. I became a fan in 1978. So I've yet to even see them in a Super Bowl, win or lose. And so, But I'm, I'm holding on to this. It's more about the streak at this point, you know, than anything else. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. That's, that's, I think they call that loyalty or, or something. So, Coop, thanks. This has uh, been great. Appreciate you sharing your thoughts and perspective. Uh, Franklin is uh, an impressive firm. You guys are doing great stuff. More to come. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again, Coop. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.